Good morning, everybody. Had another beautiful fall day out there. Um, this week, I uh, want to thank Keith for that reading. That's uh, John 14. He read, read from God's Word, and that's what we're going to be studying this morning. Um, uh, we completed chapter 13, Brother Tim did last week, and of course we talked about, uh, Brother Tim talked about the humility of Christ and his washing of the apostles' feet, and then there was the denial by Peter. And um, so the Last Supper with its tragic revelations was now over, and Judas had departed to carry out his betrayal of Jesus. And so, as we said, Peter uh, would deny Jesus three times. And the powers of this world were now in full force. Uh, Jesus was more than uh, a match for the evil that was about to befall him. So we're going to study in chapter 14 that he reassures his chosen apostles by encouraging them and protecting them and showing his love uh, for them in every way possible. Um, I'll be using uh, Brother Mazzalago's uh, PowerPoint slides, but a lot of the, um, of the commentary is going to come from Brother James Burton Kaufman. He was a very influential member of the church who died uh, in I think 2006, and he was very influential in the in last in the 20th century in the church. He has a good commentary on this. Um, <clears throat> in chapter 14, Jesus speaks of heaven and his preparation for those who will enter it. He talks about the way, the truth, and the life, and the Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit and the necessity of his mission, and his mission was to be crucified and uh, died, buried, and resurrected. Um, so Jesus had just completed a dialogue with Peter, and um, so now we pick up in John 14, and Jesus and Thomas have a dialogue. Um, so we start out, um, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In Peter's house, in, in, in my house, in my father's house, are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Uh, Jesus had just prof prophesied the denial of Peter in chapter 13. And this no doubt troubled Peter and Jesus knew the apostles needed words of comfort. Uh, Jesus says, if you believe in God and in me and subsequently obey the commands of Jesus, then you'll go to heaven. Um, Jesus is a source of truth and he would never be the author of false hope. And um, we... We, uh, Paul has to reiterate that later on to the Corinthians in chapter 15 in the chapter about the resurrection there. Um, it's always been interesting to me this, um, 
verse 2 where it says, In my Father's house are many. Uh, the King James Version says mansions. And um, it, it's also translated to be dwelling places. Um, but rooms may be a better way of saying it because anything that would be in heaven would be more glorious than anything that would be here on earth anyway. And um, so, you know, it's not talking about like some some big big room in the Biltmore or something, if any of y'all have ever been there in North Carolina. It's talking about that you're going to be in the presence of God and Jesus and the, and the Holy Spirit. And, you know, that's going to be enough for you. Um, you know, a lot of people think, well, you know, I want a mansion. You know, we sing a song and we want a mansion over the hilltop. But just being in, in God's presence is, should be enough for us to look forward to, you know, especially with all the troubles that we have here below. There's um, troubles on every side. It seems like that darkness is ruling this world. And... Uh, it's uh, more and more not a place that we want to be. It's more a place that we want to, to look forward to a, a, the next life. Um, verses 3 and 4, if anybody has any comments or questions, they can stop me at any time. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. And you will know that you will know the way that I'm going. Uh, Jesus is saying that as sure as everything else he ever said was true, and you know, Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life, uh, you will join me in the heavenly realm someday. And Jesus is referring to his second coming, judgment day in eternal life that will be spent forever with him. Um, this was made possible, this will be made possible by the sacrifice that Jesus is about to make. And of course, you know, the apostles here, they probably, and especially by some of the questions that you're going to hear some of these apostles asking him in this chapter, um, they didn't understand what he was getting at or what he was saying. And uh, so Jesus had to um, try to explain that to them and then carry out the acts that would show that what he said was true about his uh, being crucified and, and resurrected later on. So um, moving on to uh, verse 5, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? So, you know, Thomas uh, didn't know what he was really getting at. Um, you'll notice that Jesus does not mention that he's going to restore Israel to a kingdom on earth. He didn't mention that uh, he, 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 the, the church is the real kingdom that he's talking about. He's not talking about an earthly kingdom or anything like that. He will give sinners another that he will give senators another opportunity to repent when he returns. 
know when he comes back, it's really, it's all going to be judgment day then. Uh, he does say that the dead will be raised, and that's in John 5, which we've already studied, 24 through 29, that judgment will occur. Uh, Matthew 25, 31 through 36 tells us that that the wicked will be destroyed and righteous will be, righteousness will be rewarded. And that's 2 Thessalonians 1, 7 through 10. That there will be a crown of life to the faithful, 2 Timothy 4, 7 and 8. And Christ will deliver the kingdom to God, 1 Corinthians 15, 22. So when, Paul, uh, when Thomas says, uh, Lord, we don't know where you're going, how do we know the way? Thomas is speaking for the, all the apostles here. The apostles obviously didn't understand what Jesus was telling them because they would all forsake him when he was crucified. But all of them except Judas were restored after Jesus' resurrection. Of course, Judas, he committed suicide. And uh, so uh, that, that was... Um, no way to be restored after that. So, yes. It's almost like they didn't realize that in the Old Testament it even talks about that there would be, you know, eternal life because uh, is it in Daniel and uh, in Daniel it talks about that the uh, that they will that they will be raised to uh, everlasting contempt for some and many will be raised to everlasting life. So, you know. The scribes and the Pharisees, all the way down to the apostles and the disciples, they obviously did not understand the full concept of this, you know, of what Jesus had come to this earth for. And uh, so that's a very good that's a very good point, Susan. Uh, um, Yeah, and uh, well, you know, at the Transfiguration, you know, uh, you know Moses and Elijah there appeared, and so that should have been a clue right there for them, you know, that these Old Testament fathers, patriarchs, and all they're they're you know, and prophets, they're in heaven or somewhere. They're they're not in they're not. In Sheol or not, um, 
You know, they're not in hell or anywhere like that, the ones who live righteously, because they were, you know, uh, in, in a transfigured state with Christ there, you know, and, and, and you know, communing with him. So... Um, the Pharisees always taught that uh, there is a resurrection when the Savior sees death. Mm -hmm. And, of course, they could refer back to Good point. Samuel being called back for the witch of Endor. Right. And uh, they had a concept, but not a clear one. But they knew they would be like after death. They believed in the resurrection. Right. they were more studious of the law. Mm-hmm. Of the written law. But yeah. Jesus revealed more about the resurrection and life after death than anyone else ever had. And he preached more about hell, too. Right. Right. Think about all the great myths that, you know, when, when Paul went to, to Athens, Athens yeah, Acts 17, yeah. There was a confusion in the world right. about, you know, what happens uh -huh. among the Egyptians, you know, we're still finding Right, oh yeah, the Egyptians. families and mm. cats and things that they, yeah. they would help them to a different, so I, I, I've never really but, thought yeah. No. Well, see, they were on the other side of the cross there, and I guess they just until all of this, you know, we've had mankind has had two thousand years of this side of the cross to understand really what all these concepts were. So that really, you know, we've got an advantage there. But uh, yeah, we still don't understand it. No. No. A group of people. Some no. of us may think we do. Right. But the vast majority of people in the world have not been until this day. No. We still got hundreds of churches, don't we, Aaron? We got so we got a lot of religious error regardless to whether we've got the New Testament and, and all this time that has passed, we've still got a lot of uh, a lot of problems in the religious world. Right. Uh, Christ's apostles, even after this discussion, I don't believe they fully understood that until they got the Holy Spirit. That's right. You read in, in Acts uh, chapter 1, right before this issue, verse 6 says, When they therefore will come together, they ask him, say, Lord, what thou now at this time? At this time. Still asking about still it. Still Yeah. Mm. Good. I think they got it until they got the Holy Spirit. The, good point. And I don't think our mind can grasp it. I don't, it's, it's really hard. I don't know, you know, it's infinity. And it's like, how, how do you really grasp it? Um, but. They, they grasp the concept of heaven. They knew what heaven would do. That's where the soul would end and end. But their concept, their grasp wasn't, they still had their mind on earth with you. Right. Right. Once the Holy Spirit, you know, when Jesus told that the Holy Spirit, 
That's right, Sam, and we'll be studying about the Holy Spirit later on in this chapter. Um, but look at the error even now. Um, you know, all this, all this, uh, uh, all this emphasis that was put on making Jerusalem the the uh, uh, embassy for the United States and all of that, and I guess they felt like maybe that that was getting ready for the third temple or something like that, that they were, you know, lining up all of these things. But, you know, as we've studied before and going to study more, these Jews, they rejected Christ, and they rejected his teaching, and many didn't. You know, Paul was able to, to, to persuade many of them, and there were Jews in church, in churches and all that, but for the most part, the majority of the Jews rejected Christ, and so, so why would there be an avenue through, uh, you know, a third temple and, you know, all of these things coming together to, to start? I, I just don't understand where people can, uh, can get that concept and think that, um, yeah, it's good to get along in the world, and for us to be in good with Israel, I, I, there's nothing wrong with that. We should be the same with any nation on this earth. But just to pick out the Jews and Israel and say, well, you know, we've always needed to align with the Jews and with Israel. Well, you know, that's, they're no more special in that way than any other nation. So, you know, it's a lot of confusion in the world, and it's just... Um, Grafted in, right? And we have to be very careful because just as much as we were grafted in, we can be grafted out. So uh, and though there is a remnant that will be grafted back in. Right. Good point. Like today, you 
certain amount of Bible knowledge. We all have different parts of Bible knowledge we've learned. So they all had a little bit of what the Holy Spirit had revealed to them to teach at that time. But finally, when they got it all composed and wrote into that which is perfect, which was the Bible, came into existence, then we could all have a good understanding. That's, that's the good. resurrection and the afterlife was greatly influenced more by the Greeks. And even today, you get people put quarters over the eyes of it to pay the toll to get them into, the, the Greek way of getting into things. And so the influence of resurrection, they really had a had two different views. One was the worldly view of Greek mythology, and the other was what they gleaned by the Old Testament. Right. Well, there's so many. There's so many uh, ideas about resurrection and about all of that. I mean, uh, even some of our some people have this reincarnation business that they believe and all that. It's just, but you know, that's one thing Jesus was saying here. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So, you know, there's a lot of people that just, they don't see that. And they, and I, I guess we'll talk about this a little bit, a little bit later on. But, you know, they're Confucius or Buddha or, Muhammad, those aren't the ways, and none of that matters. None of those folks matter. Um, and because Jesus was the one who actually died on a cross for us and was resurrected from the dead. And um, so, uh, very good points there. Um, any more questions or comments? I really appreciate They were more materialistic too, weren't they? So, I mean, the, yeah, that's how we remember that, isn't it? Susan, the sad on the Sadducees. So, good points, excellent points. So, we'll go to six and talk about Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And uh, this is one of the most famous. Uh, Bible verses. Jesus is making it plain that none of these other uh, people like Muhammad, of course they didn't mean Muhammad back then because it hadn't happened yet, but you know, all of these other people, they don't they don't matter because uh, you know, Jesus talked about there would be uh, false messiahs that would come after him and that, you know, he was the way. He was, there's been many utopian attempts by man but that it failed uh, by some of these people that have proclaimed that they had the way and they were wrong. Uh, but only Jesus' plan would solve the sin of man. And that's the separation between uh, God and man as because he became the perfect sacrifice and reconciled man back to God. So... Um, all of the attempts by man, if none of those have worked, um, all of these others that have claimed that, uh, you know, I, I, I read something 
the other day that was a little interesting. I don't know. Some people try to say, well, you know, let's all get along because, you know, even even uh, the Islam believes that that God is there's one God. Well, one thing you might want to keep in mind: the the uh, uh, Islam does not believe that Jesus was resurrected from the dead. They believe that Jesus was. They believe in the swoon theory, where whereby that Jesus was. Um, crucified and he somehow got down from the cross and saved himself. So, you know, you know, the next time one of our Islam friends tell us, you know, that we're all, you know, trying to go to heaven through the same God and all, uh, even though we have different, you know, prophets or whatever, keep that in mind that they don't even believe that Jesus was resurrected from the dead. So... Um, so we talked about the dialogue with, with Thomas there. The next dialogue that we'll talk about is with Philip. And um, that picks up in verse 7. He said, if you, had, if, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on you will know him and, and have seen him. So... Um, so many scholars believe that Jesus is, is promising the apostles that when they get to heaven, they'll know that Jesus and the Father are one. So that, that in other words, all of this will be manifested to them then. Uh, but Jesus continues to let the apostles know that he and God are one in the Holy Spirit. And that since they'd seen Jesus and heard his words, they'd seen God and know and know how God would react in any given situation, you know. So basically, by Jesus coming to this earth, he was manifesting God unto man and showing how Jesus or how God would react in any given situation. So, um, so Philip turns around and asks him, uh, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. So this is a real interesting thing here. Um, this is the Philip that we see in John 1.43, the apostle. He was from Bethsaida, where Peter and Andrew were from. Uh, he was not part of the inner circle. Perhaps he's not part of the inner circle because of questions like this. He did bring Nathaniel to Jesus, who is also called Bartholomew. Um, this is not the same Philip as Philip the Evangelist in chapter 8, who converts the Ethiopian eunuch. Those are two different people. Um, he, uh, that Philip was one of the uh, seven, seven deacons uh, who were appointed to serve the Grecian widows. So he, he asked us, he asked Jesus, let us, show us the Father and it is enough for us. So Jesus said to him, have I been so long with you and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say show us the Father? Um, so Philip is obviously having some problems there with maybe accepting all the miracles um, 
just, you know, there was some problem there and that he just wasn't grasping all, everything Jesus was saying because he says that he and the Father are one. And it appears that maybe what Philip is asking Jesus to do is to do something like appear from the burning bush like, it, like, it, like Moses had you know, God do for him in the Old Testament there. So, you know, but Jesus had already done many miracles here. And it was very kind of startling that he didn't, it was like, show us the Father. Maybe he thought that he could make God appear there. I don't know. Who knows what that meant. But uh, he obviously had some problems with grasping exactly who God is and I don't know, he should have been able to see through Jesus how he was living and how he was perfect that he was the Father. But, um, you know, we're all humans, so we don't know how we would have reacted in that situation either, I guess. So. That's another one of those concept issues. I don't think the human brain can really ex- understand the concept of the Godhead. Yeah. That's a good point, Aaron. I, I think the reason I think there's so much confusion in the religious world around this concept is people are trying to explain it in human terms, and it can't be. Right. Well, when Moses was on the mountain with um, God, uh, they were all, if, if when they studied this years, years later, all they knew was God was thunderings and uh, lightning. And so when Jesus is this very peaceful, teacher that is showing them miracles after miracle, they're like, well, where's the light show? (laughs) Where is this? I want to see God. You may be my teacher and my my, uh, uh, shepherd, but Mm -hmm. I want to see the light show. Right. (laughs) I think we still, today, people still want the light show. I think you've probably got a good point there, Julie. That's probably... But you know, Jesus is probably frustrated this time. I've been with y'all all the time. Y'all ain't got it yet. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's, I'm sure he was frustrated. What a powerful tool of doubt is. Yeah. Think about how many times Satan has used doubt. Yes. Just, we want to be sure. And mm-hmm. it's important to be sure. That's yeah. where the faith comes in, the Word of God. That's right. And we will be stronger if we study it more. You know, John thinking about that he was John the Baptist was in prison and um, he was waiting execution I guess and, and he still uh, he wanted one of his followers to go out and ask Jesus if he was really who he said he was so he was right there on the cusp of being you know beheaded I guess he didn't know it at the time but um, and he still had doubts you know so you got people like that having doubts, so, and the apostles here having doubts, so there's a lot of humanity here, and I guess, you know, 
there's a lot of doubts and like we said like like we say and we need to study the word and and uh, have faith uh, prayer that's right well the thing about the lord he still took time to try to explain it to him he didn't give up on it yes we all get frustrated with the kids because they don't get it mm-hmm. but the apostles were like kids they still just didn't get it right he said look you can't see the father personally because he's a spirit no one sees the father but if you've seen me mm-hmm. you see the father because i'm doing what the father says and now what we're supposed to be doing i can't see jesus today but they should be able to see jesus in our life the same way right that's exactly right good point got to wish worship him in spirit and truth, don't we? Mark, you brought out a good point about the Godhead. The best explanation I've ever heard of it is the Godhead family. And my family was Kayla. When she was living, you had the Jones family was made up of father, a mother, and a daughter. Mm-hmm. Each one but y'all made up the fathers. God made up the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's a good point. That's a good point. I think I've also heard. I don't. Y'all might have heard about the egg that it's a. Uh, it's made up of a shell and a white and a yolk and that. But it's all an egg. That's another. But still, the human mind getting around that is just so difficult. I mean, there have been books, volumes written about that, and it's just very, very difficult to. To, to grasp really so maybe we should cut these apostles some slack and understand that 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 this was very difficult concepts here um, yeah Perfect law of liberty. That's right. We have the complete, complete word here. I guess we'll stop right there. We'll pick up with uh, verse 10 next week. Uh, certainly appreciate all the, all the uh, comments. Very good class.